Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. The COVID-19 pandemic has shifted our worlds in many, many ways. And one of them is the current loss of in-person residency teaching conferences. The ACGME mandates five hours of planned conference time each week, and residents have a requirement to attend 70% of these hours. Only 20% of these hours may be achieved asynchronously. So now that large conferences are a no-no in this age of physical distancing, well, now what do we do? Many programs are finding themselves scrambling. So today we're going to discuss a new and very timely paper in AEM Education and Training entitled, Rethinking Residency Conferences in the Era of COVID-19. Lead author, Dr. Michael Gottlieb, is here with us today to talk about it and to give all of us in academic emergency medicine some tips on ways to continue conference teaching remotely. Dr. Gottlieb is an emergency physician and director of the Emergency Ultrasound Division and Ultrasound Fellowship at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. He's also co-creator of the Academic Life in Emergency Medicine Faculty Incubator and has authored over 200 peer-reviewed publications. We're so pleased to have him with us. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Gottlieb, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So many of us have been caught off guard by how quickly our worlds have changed in this global COVID-19 pandemic, and many residencies are scrambling to figure out how to keep their conference hours filled with quality material, how to keep the learning going, and your paper has many helpful suggestions, so we're going to go through them. You break your paper into segments discussing didactic planning, journal club, simulation, and ultrasound. So let's start with didactic planning. What are some of the biggest challenges in switching to a remote format for didactic planning? So that's a great question. And I believe there are three main challenges to switching to this remote format. First, the conference organizers may need to restructure the sessions, particularly if the sessions are not able to be performed in a remote medium or if the speakers are no longer available to the constantly changing work environment that we're currently in. Additionally, the conference organizers need to ensure a balance of core content material. So if a session on management of, for example, dysrhythmias is canceled, this needs to be added back later at a different time. Second, the speakers themselves may need to redesign their lectures or perhaps create a new lecture if their planned lecture doesn't work well for a remote conference. Speakers must also learn how to maintain engagement and interactivity in this remote format. It's much easier to engage a group of learners when you're standing right in front of them than when they're at home behind a monitor with more distractions. Finally, much of the technology that's utilized may be new for people. It's important to ensure that everyone learns how to use the software prior to the teaching sessions. You wanna avoid missing these learning opportunities due to excessive cognitive load from the technology itself. Excellent. So you mentioned some tips in there about finding local and guest speakers to lecture remotely. Can you talk about that? Sure. So first, you want to utilize your existing networks to identify potential speakers as opposed to using the usual faculty presenters. 
Reach out to people that you may not have thought about at the time, for example, prior graduates, affiliate hospitals, and other institutions. You can also place a call on social media. And there are several databases of available speakers that are already out there. For example, Academic Life and Emergency Medicine has one, as does FEMINEM. I would also look for people who have given a recent talk at a national conference or who had planned talks that were canceled. Since the talk is already created, you can get a high caliber talk for your program and they can repurpose an existing talk without a lot of additional effort. Also, consider shared grand rounds where more than one program has the same grand round speaker. A great example of this is the recent LM Connect event where they had two hours of national lectures give grand rounds for over 50 programs. You can also consider lecture exchanges where two programs share a conference session, alternating who leads it each week. Well, those are some awesome tips. Um, and so what other tips do you have for faculty who have to organize these conference blocks? I think one of the first things you said was that you've got to pull in some other helpers. What else can they do to make that job easier? Share the work between multiple people. Identify some faculty or residents who can help divide up the efforts. Consider creating a resident conference leader role as well. And since the technology may be challenging for some people, Consider recruiting a more tech-savvy person to help with this component. If you can, try to avoid reinventing the wheel. If, if there's already good content available on the internet, use that for asynchronous learning or to create a flipped classroom model. Consider utilizing existing programs like Foundations of Emergency Medicine or EM Fundamentals, and you can also review board review questions or in-service questions or even interview a consultant. Talking about the questions, using questions, that actually segues nicely into uh, my next question for you, which was, you emphasize the importance of limiting the large lecture format. So what kind of things would you recommend in its place? So lectures are challenging because they typically result in more passive learning, which reduces the degree of retention. However, this gets amplified in the virtual environment. So instead, try to maximize active learning by engaging the end users. If someone is giving a lecture, consider creating a channel for learner questions and opportunities for engagement using apps like Kahoot or Poll Everywhere. Create virtual small group sessions with case discussions, image review, or mock oral boards. Residents can even work together in small groups with the faculty entering and leaving groups, much as you would when you're walking from group to group in real life. So what are some novel strategies that programs are using to, to host these hours remotely, to communicate during them, to track attendance? There are all sorts of technologies out there. And then how do you get everyone on a level playing field when it comes to using it? So most programs are using video hosting technology like Zoom, Skype, or Google Meet. And I find it valuable to set some ground rules early. Remind me people to mute their computers when they're not talking. And I like to have them keep the video on so that they stay more engaged. It's much easier to get distracted or step away if no one can see you. For communication, you can use the chat feature in most of these devices, which allows both group and single person messaging. However, if you can, having a separate chat program like Slack or WhatsApp can facilitate discussions a bit better by giving people a separate window and the options for threading conversations. And by threading these conversations, you can reduce the challenges of everyone talking at the same time. Now, tracking attendance can be a bit more challenging. You can do visual confirmation with the videos, an online sign-in sheet, or send a QR code that learners can scan to confirm their attendance. 
and this can also be used for tracking CME. Finally, make sure everyone is comfortable with the software and consider an asynchronous training video or setting aside 15 minutes before the start of didactics to go over how to use it. Those are some pretty cool tips. I had not thought of the QR code one. That That's a good one. I like it. So let's move on to Journal Club. What recommendations do you have for doing Journal Club remotely? We all miss our journal clubs in faculty homes and restaurants. So how do organizers keep people engaged? So Journal Club is an important component of residency education. Not only does it expose people to new articles and improve our evidence-based medicine skill set, but it's also an opportunity for socialization. Now, fortunately, virtual journal clubs have been well-described in the literature for over a decade. And similar to conference didactics, there should be a mechanism to allow real-time engagement and the opportunity to ask questions of the journal club leaders. You can also reach out to the study authors to see if they might be willing to video in and help discuss their article. And consider allowing some extra time for everyone to talk before or after the session. You mean talk like socially or to talk about the articles a little more? Oh, I think that one of the areas we miss from this is that everyone is in their own, you know, locations and they're not able to, you know, have that same degree of connection as when we're at someone's house sitting around and enjoying food or drinks. And I think that part gets lost. And so by allowing this time built into Journal Club, you can have a Zoom connection where people are at least able to see each other and talk and connect in a way that gets sometimes lost in the current COVID era. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, physical distancing, not social distancing, if we can manage it. So let's talk about simulation now. So this is also a core part of our educational programs. And this, to me, seems like a tough one. How do you keep engaging sim sessions going remotely? So we often envision simulation as a group of learners in the simulation room with a computerized mannequin. But you'd be surprised how much you can perform remotely. You can recruit faculty or use standardized patients to play the patient. You can play recordings of heart and lung sounds. You can send the images and EKG findings and even replay portions of the recorded sessions for debriefs. There are also apps like Full Code or Resuscitation that can allow learners to run the code on their own and then come together and debrief as a group. And you can also have learners make their own procedural simulations with a number of household supplies using descriptions that are already published online or in journals. Very cool. And so finally, ultrasound teaching. Uh, how is this changing in our new era and what suggestions do you have for that? So given the hands-on nature of ultrasound, it can be challenging to replicate this without patients to scan. For image interpretation, you can still give a didactic and try to engage users by asking them how they would interpret this image or what they would do next. For the image acquisition, consider using an ultrasound simulator like Sonosim, or if you have access to a handheld system like the Butterfly, residents can scan themselves and then send images. However, if neither of those are feasible, I've run sessions where I have learners use their cell phones to mimic the probe. In fact, I recently taught some fourth-year medical students how to place an ultrasound guide at peripheral IV using just their cell phones and a pen. Awesome. All right. So finally, do you have any just final words of wisdom for those faculty who are tearing their hair out, filling these hours just on top of the stress of everything else now in our current work environment? It can be really stressful to redesign a conference session, particularly with all the current stressors associated with COVID. But you don't have to do this alone. Reach out to others and utilize a team to help divide up the work. 
identify speakers and try to share resources with other programs. And finally, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Utilize existing resources when possible and be flexible if things don't go according to plan. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for your paper. I think it's going to help a lot of people figure out how to navigate the next few months. And I'm hoping that it is only the next few months. So thanks again for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this AEM Education and Training Podcast. Be sure to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to all our AEM podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.